In this interview series, we call the circuit. TechCoin serves up the human stories behind the major tech headlines in Indiana. I'm your host, Tim Goody, CEO of TechPoint. Today, we talk to Mitch Frazier, CEO at Agronovus. Part of the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership, Agronovus is a nonprofit fueling growth in Indiana's ag bioscience community. In this episode, we talk about Mitch's career and his leadership at the intersection of tech and ag bioscience and what the future holds for the industry. TechPoint Circuit Podcast. Today we have our honor guest, uh, Mitch Frazier from Agronovus. Mitch is one of our sister or brother organizations under the Central Indiana Corporate Partnerships. You've been leading Agronovus for a while now. Tell us about Agronovus, its origin, mission, sure. and, and goals. Yeah, Ting, thanks, thanks for letting me be a part of the TechPoint team for a while. And it's so fun to be with you and to be back with the TechPoint team after, gosh, what it's been, 15 years since mm-hmm. I've been in the tech point world with Exact Target and Salesforce. So yep. it's fun to be back together. We and, still consider you a very important stakeholder. Oh, it's so good. And by <laughs> the way, uh, for everybody who's done, we're actually sitting in Agronova's studio, recording studio, That's right. production space. So always thank you for the clock, being such a collaborative partner. Yeah, letting you your space. Of course, of course. So Agronova's, you know, part of the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership, much like TechPoint. Yeah. We were founded 2015, 2016, really as this offshoot of BioCrossroads. BioCrossroads being the life sciences initiative. And it's funny, you know, hindsight is this wonderfully clear view of things. You you look back and go, how in the world did we not have an ag or ag bioscience focused initiative given the amazing strength of Indiana's ag bioscience economy? So we started, really started as this organization focused on connecting and convening different groups across Indiana's ag bioscience economy. And what happened over time was, you know, Beth Bechtel, the founding CEO, an amazing job, an amazing leader, creating this groundswell of people who wanted to come together and and grow this Mm -hmm. economy. I joined in 2020 amidst the pandemic. And what we really were able to do then is build off of that base, build off of that cornerstone, build off the momentum and say, what do we go do next? And as we looked at the Indiana ag bioscience economy, what we saw was food was such a big piece of it. We were in the midst of a pandemic where you and I and so many others went to the grocery store and saw empty store shelves. Food was at the forefront of the news. We set a big, a big target on said, okay, we have this asset, we have these people, let's go do. And so we've set this goal, we call it Grow 2024, a commitment to grow Indiana's ag bioscience economy by $4 billion. It's $4 billion in revenue. We've oriented the team to do that. And oh, Ting, I'm so excited. We are today, as we sit here today, we have worked with our partners, our collective partners at the Indiana Economic Development Corporation on projects that collectively 
have committed to more than 2,000 new jobs wow. and over $1.1 billion in capital investment. So just, it, it is fun to see what's happening. It's fun to be a part of this organization. Oh my gosh, it's so fun to work with you. Again. Yeah. Well, thank you for the, for the background information yeah. and congratulations. Thank on you. Those, I'm sure it's a record-breaking number. Well, we'll, we'll dive into that later. Yes, okay, good. Before good. we get into that, uh, I know you, you mentioned you joined the organization in 2020, yes. right before the pandemic. And uh, we had also chatted earlier on about your stellar career, really, in majority of in tech, but also in yeah. the public sector, in the Army, for a while in a, in a farm equipment uh, yeah. business. And uh, what attracted you to this particular organization, <laughs> yeah. other than very eclectic, good mix of a career and experience? Yeah, you know, so I'm a kid who grew up in, I guess I'm not a kid anymore. I'm a guy. I'm a guy who grew up in rural Indiana, Tipton County, Indiana, didn't grow up on a farm grew up with a, a significant appreciation for the agriculture industry and truth be told really love anything with a motor anything with an engine I'm I'm interested in so you know I joined the army spent 5 years active duty in the army went to work for the army as a civilian came back to work for governor daniels got into tech then ultimately into ag and you know what what I found was this is sort of the red thread that's woven throughout this whole career one is I I love like well, me personally I love to serve I mean, it's clear in the Army and clear working for Governor Daniels, but, you know, when, when we were in Exact Target, you know, my commitment was certainly to our customers and to our team. Mm-hmm. It was about serving Scott Dorsey. I mean, Scott is one of those guys. He's one of the, the rare people, I think, in this world, certainly in my life, fundamentally changed uh, my career, gave me clear view of what leadership looks like, how to be a great leader, how to be a great marketer, how to be a great dad. I just love Scott. So, so you look at sort of that piece, and so it come from that into this notion of service now, which took me into ag. And what was there was this idea of, okay, you have this background in tech, you have this passion to serve. Oh my gosh, there's no place better than working hand in hand with those who serve the American farmer here in Indiana, the Hoosier farmer. And I got a chance to see, you know, sort of that front row seat right. of where tech and the food system come together. And that's in the acres that we see here in Indiana. It's when you, you know, you're driving north, driving south, driving east, driving west, wherever you're hearing this, watching this, there's likely a farm field nearby. Mm-hmm. And the amount of data, the amount of technology, the amount of innovation that's happening on those acres, I mean, it's amazing. Yep. And so when the opportunity came to lead Agronova, sort of a lot of soul searching, uh, grateful for Gary Reynolds and the Reynolds Farm Equipment family for their blessing to come here to serve. It is amazing, you know, this opportunity to work across Indiana's diverse ag bioscience economy. You know, this is a $52 billion economy really built on animal health, uh, crop protection, plant science, ag tech, and food. Like, you, you look at those four, the amount of opportunity for innovation, whether it's science innovation, go-to-market innovation, tech innovation, I think it's incredible. And so what drew me is the opportunity to do these kinds of things, to, to live my passion to serve. Yep. And what's so fun is, I, I mean it, is to work with, with leaders like you. I mean, you and I have worked together for de- well over a decade. decade I mean, yep. I remember, you know, spending time certainly pitching you in, in startup <laughs> companies, but, but also just, you know, being in this place where we both care deeply about this, this community, not just Indianapolis or central Indiana, but this community we call Indiana and what a blessing it is to be able to serve. Yeah, I, I, I can totally resonate with that. And we 
we're also very grateful that leaders like you, you know, prime years, right? Uh, or all the great experiences. You can do a number of things, and you have yeah. in your past decade plus career. But you choose to do this and uh, really kind of apply all the leadership skills you acquired along the way to to both work collaboratively with a number of initiative people like me, mm-hmm. and more importantly, outside this organization, the stakeholders, because it's it's a collective effort. It is, as you pointed out. It is. And you have also talked kind of a uh, in terms of uh, ag sector ec- economic impact and the size of economy. You referenced the fifty-two billion number. There's a different elements to it. I know you, I heard you telling that story many, many times now. Every time I hear it, it's still very wow. The wow factor is still there. Can you just break it down a little more yeah, for us sure. again? Sure. So you know, we had never looked, and it's crazy. We never looked at what we just thought it was big because we, we drive through big. all the cornfields, right. right? And you start looking at this, and you break it down, and you say, okay, well, ag, ag in Indiana is this big thing, and then now this crazy guy's talking ag bioscience. Like we are intentional. What is it? We right. are intentional about <laughs> ag bioscience. The use of the right. word ag bioscience. Because it's defined in research, and that that research sets out the components of this economy. It's value-added food nutrition, animal health nutrition, crop protection plant science, ag tech, and then production agriculture as well. That's the $52 billion. But what's really fascinating is when you begin to break this down, to Mm -hmm. your point. You you look at value-added food nutrition in Indiana. It's a $29 billion economy. Now, let me juxtapose some numbers here. What is value-added? So, great question. So, value-added, $29 billion. Think of this as anything farm gate to the dinner table where some sort of value is, is, is accretive, right? Like, so, uh, it could be as simple as processing. Could be as complicated as food manufacturing. Really anything in between. One of my favorite examples, because I think everybody gets it. You've been to a Colts game or you, you've been to the grocery store, you see red gold. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily the red gold tomato production, but it's the ketchup and the salsa and those kinds of things. Ah. That's a great view of value-added food nutrition in Indiana. You know, one, one of my favorite stories, I, I, you know that I really like to eat. That's a, that's a real thing that we've shared. In fact, just shared lunch together today. Yeah. Um, Cliff Bar. So if you're a Cliff Bar fan, there are two Cliff Bar bakeries in the country. One of them's here in Indiana. So that's kind of fun. So, okay, so $29 billion value-added food nutrition, production agriculture in Indiana. The thing that we typically think of when we say ag, yeah, it's a $13 billion industry. Right. Now, those are revenues of companies. So Those are out in the field. Right. And we can see. That's right. Yep. But twi- food, food alone is twice as big as production agriculture in Indiana. And then we start going across. So the next would be animal health and nutrition. Think of this as anything from vaccine to uh, feed. Mm. So whether that's, you know, how do we care for livestock? How do we care for companion animals? To how do we feed them? And how do we optimize that feed? And some really interesting innovations. Elanco, great example of that. Also on the feed side, you have great companies like United Animal Health up in Sheridan. So really cool, really cool work happening there. Crop protection plant science. That's the third area of the port innovation portfolio Crop protection and plant science really is, you know, you look at a company like Corteva. I mean, this is Corteva moving their global headquarters to Indiana this year. Just incredible movement. You know, this is everything from the seed genetics. How do we how do we optimize that seed all the way to how do we care for that plant? Mm-hmm. Corteva, just a global leader in that. But we have so many others in the state as well doing great work. Up at West Lafayette, a company called Inari, mm-hmm. really focused on gene editing, not gene modifying, just raised a massive venture around doing some amazing work. And we have more traditional players that are leading some really incredible innovation in that space. Companies like Bex Hybrids, 
AgriLiant Genetics up in Westfield. So we've talked about value-added food, animal health and nutrition, crop protection and plant science. And then the one that I know is near and dear to our collective hearts is ag tech. And yeah. ag tech really is this intersection of hardware and software. And where those two things come together that make the rest of this economy work, it's the fastest growing category of Indiana's ag bioscience economy. And there are so many great stories. You know, I look at a company we brought here from Israel. Yep. I traveled to Tel Aviv with Governor Holcomb back in 2018. We met a really cool company. Fun story from the tech economy here in Indiana. So uh, I was Reynolds Farm Equipment, you know, selling tractors. That was that was the objective. Uh, <laughs> and and Beth Bechtel, the founding CEO of Agronovers, reached out to me and said, "Hey, look, um, can you help us figure out some plate? We're going to go to Israel. We'd like you to go and help us, you know, connect with some ag tech companies." I didn't have the heart to tell her. I really, I really didn't know. So I was like, "Okay, sure, yeah, I'll help it out. I'll help you out." So I, I literally Google ag tech in Israel. I mean, this is this is my this is my deep research. I'm going to go make some big connections, and I had a list. It's like, okay, how do we prioritize who? Well, come to find out, Mark Benioff, the, now the co CEO of Salesforce, Benioff is a seed investor in this company called Tyrannus. And I'm like, well, if Benioff is if Benioff will, is is willing to put his capital to work, follow we should, the money. Right? We should go spend time with them. <laughs> right. So we went and spent time with them. Ultimately, they moved their headquarters here in 2020, and we've seen a really a, a really groundswell of. Of folks coming here to have access not just to the talent, not just to the incredible tech ecosystem that is in Indiana, but the amazingly progressive producers we have. You know, we had a company we recruited here from California, a company called Intellinair, really amazing technology. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you see up in northern Indiana, in Steuben County, uh, Ian Harley and, and his team, a company called Traction Ag, really focused on you know, building a better financial operating ecosystem for the ag industry. I mean, Ting, there are innovators all across Indiana from each of those categories, whether it's food, animal health, crop protection, ag tech. This economy is a place where innovation is happening. And each and every piece of that has a huge opportunity for AI, ML, our overall strength in software as a service here in Indiana. We are well positioned. Yeah, so, certainly sounds like it because you, what well, you're describing is the entire ecosystem. Totally. Like, yeah. We own the entire value chain yeah. in that way that... that that organizations like Agronovas and TechPoint can help facilitate yes. companies plug in and solving the right problems in the right ways. Yeah, that's that has tremendous value for sure. Uh, you had mentioned that the the growth area at Tech sounds like it's one of the focus areas you team you and your team are working on. What do you see? Maybe pull it up a little. Sure. What do you see as a sort of higher level, the most promising growth areas? thinking longer term, the next five to 10 years, be, besides the technology disruption that's happening everywhere? Yeah, you know, I think there, there are a handful of categories, and maybe I'll put them into three buckets. One is around pure tech. So this idea of, of how do we use data science, how do we use artificial intelligence, machine learning to improve the food system? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've seen great innovations in this space, but Indiana, oh my gosh, Indiana is so well positioned. You look at and I look back 10, 15 years, you look at Exact Target, Angie's List, a Primo, Interactive Intelligence, Amarsis, put them all in the same category. You know, those really all were AIML companies, but we didn't call them that then because right. we didn't call us SaaS company. Right, call us SaaS company. company. Yeah, but yeah. but at their core, right, it was how do we how do we aggregate data? 
How through we, automation. Through automation, yes. right? And make sense of it yep. and then take the next, next best action. Mm-hmm. And interactive intelligence, how do we ride it through the call center? At Angie's List, how do we route it to the right contractor? At you know, a Primo was how do we optimize marketing spend? At Exact mm-hmm. Target, how do we optimize and send the right message? We have that same ability. We have that same ability in ag tech here in Indiana. And our job, our collective job, is how do we go out and tell that story? So one area I see of massive opportunity for growth is certainly in pure tech. Secondarily, I think there's a huge opportunity in automation. You know, as, as members of TechPoint, members of Agronovas, I think we continue to hear this real strong push in the economy that, hey, we're, we're labor tight. I mean, we are mm-hmm. constrained with labor. We've seen big moves in this space. John Deere is an example you know, made a big move last year with an acquisition of a company called Bear Flag Robotics, incredible company in California. And the whole notion was, how do we automate rote, some, some degree of rote task? You know, it, how do we automate tillage? How do we automate passes through the field? Incredible work. I think we're going to continue to see more and more innovators seek to solve sort of that operational challenge through automation. And so I think we're going to see a lot of innovation there. Again, Indiana well-positioned. Our strength in manufacturing puts us in a good spot. Our strength in AI, ML, SaaS puts us in a good spot. And then our just connection to, to really interesting producers, I think, puts us in a good spot. Third is, is this movement around uh, green tech, around biologicals, ultimately sustainability. That, that's going to be a big driver. And it's not just a driver. Look, everyone, when, when you look at production agriculture, production agriculture, the pioneers, the true pioneers in environmentalism. I mean, the, the, the environment itself is their production ground, right? right. So, so they are doing everything they can to take care of it. What I think we're beginning to see now through supply chain disruptions, through increased input cost is how do we do this in a way that isn't just more sustainable environmentally, cr- clearly critical, but how do we also do it in a way that's economically sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to see new innovations. Corteva leading some really interesting work around this, around biological innovation. Great company up in Anderson called Hello Nature doing some really interesting work around biological and biostimulants. So I think we're going to see sort of this green tech sustainability piece. We're going to see automation be a big place of this. And I think we're going to see pure tech really those three driving the next wave, the next chapter of innovation in ag bioscience. That's really interesting, particularly around the green tech sustainability piece because of market timing, right? What kind of Absolutely. everybody's predicting or trying, getting ready to embrace the, the movement for a number of years now. But to your point about the recent change or continued evolution of the micro market and environment, particularly around inflation, rising cost of inputs and rising cost of labor, shortage of labor really drive everybody to take a, now all of a sudden innovation and need to automation needs start to move up the priority list. Totally. I mean, when you look at innovation, you and I have talked about this so many times. I mean, thank you. You've gave me counsel along my, my journey. You know, what problem are you trying to solve? I mean, mm-hmm. it's one of Dorsey's favorite things that he, he reminds me of is what problem are you trying to solve? And, you know, the same, the two sides of the same coin, challenge and opportunity. And where there's this, look, inflation, I think the last number I saw on CPI was over 8%. If we look back to last month, the greatest 12-month, the greatest 12-month inflation in food since the 70s, right? Those are challenges that are affecting homeowners, affecting everyone that's listening, watching. That's a reality. 
but it also creates an opportunity and yep. a space for innovation. Somebody is going to solve that. That somebody better be in Indiana. And those that are listening, this is your call to action, right? To come alongside and innovate right here in Indiana. Yep, absolutely. Well, you kind of already, so, so kind of now the growth area have been identified at least on a higher level. What are some specific strategies that you and your team are pursuing to to spur the further growth in those three buckets of activities? Yeah, so we, we think of our go-to-market really in three key categories. One is around business growth. And business growth is really driven around this idea of we're incredibly fortunate at Agronovus to have 30 board members who are highly engaged. And these are really the who's who, a coalition of leaders across industry, academia, government, going to them and saying, hey, what are you interested in? Mm-hmm. What gaps exist in the product portfolio? What areas do you are you spending time in? And then us going across the country and around the world to bring partners to them that fit that ultimately with the objective of them growing here in Indiana. So, so that's a big area that we're focused on. That's so what's driving. solving some of the corporate yeah. bigger challenges. And it, and it doesn't have to be the bigs, right? I mean, whether you're a big company, whether you're a small company, you understand product roadmap. You understand what, what your customer is wanting. And if we can help make those connections and be the place that makes the, you know, that connects the wires across right. uh, geographies, it becomes a really interesting piece. The second area that we're spending time on, the second area in, in go-to-market really is around startup acceleration. You know, our board, when I started, they said, we want two things from you. One is we want more companies here. Two, we want more startups here. Message received, right? So the second area that we're spending time on is startup acceleration. And this is an area where, you know, much like the same with business growth, hey, what problems do you have? Let us bring you a solution. But also, how do we inspire the creation of new ventures? And so some of the things that you and I have worked on together, even in our short time together, are these innovation challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, we just spent some time uh, on hunger tech. We believe just like MarTech exists in Indiana, sales tech exists, FinTech exists. We think hunger tech is an entirely new category of technology that needs created. I, I would love to spend more time on it. But creating, creating the definition, like going to industry and saying what problem is there, defining that problem, and then using that as a real flashpoint, a really clearly defined endpoint to go solve we think there's an opportunity there. We've done the same thing with producers, farmers. Go to them and say, what, what exists? What problems exist on the farm? And how do we bring tech to it? So that's the second go-to-market. And then the third piece of go-to-market that we're spending time on really is this idea of how do we build thought leadership. Yeah. You know, I, I don't believe that you can do a good job in business growth or in startup acceleration if you don't have a data-informed view of the market. You have to have some basis of knowledge, some basis of information. We conduct primary research. We spend time in the events. You've spoken at those. But also we do some work in Field Atlas. And I think this is one where, you know, if, if you're hearing this and you think, gosh, this sounds pretty interesting. You know, I, I spend a lot of my time in software development or I spend my time in product management. But I really would like to get more into sustainability or like to get more into the food system. You know, this is your opportunity to go see. It's a, it's a website called Field Atlas. And you can find it at myfieldatlas.com, myfieldatlas.com. And there... What we've done is we've said, hey, let's bring people who aren't normally in this tent and bring them in. So let's expose them. You know, if you're a finance major or a marketing major, maybe you're early in your career in biology or you're early in your career in uh, even a a lawyer, right? Like wherever Mm -hmm. you are, there's an opportunity for you in this $52 billion economy. And so we think there's a really unique piece of thought leadership to be really built around Field Atlas. And then lastly is this. Right, this place that we're in, these conversations, we run a podcast. It's Ag Bioscience is the name of the podcast, clever enough. 
And uh, that has become a really powerful tool. Just just last week, we had the uh, Deputy Undersecretary for USDA talking about this work around hunger that we've done. We had the uh, Chief Health Officer from Anthem, now Elevance Health, talking about you know this need for innovation. And that's what thing that fires me up so much about our partnership and the work that Agronovus and TechPoint can do together. Because you know, the solution to the problems that one could argue are existential. Mm-hmm isn't going to be born by one group, one team, even one organization. It's going to be built by cross-connectivity of you know, some really interesting work you're doing, some really interesting work that's happening across the tech ecosystem, across the ag bioscience ecosystem, across Agronovus. The podcast, the ag bioscience podcast, is a great place to sort of elevate those stories. Wow, that's fantastic. I know your podcast, uh, the Ag Bioscience, that's right. also has a very strong audience and following. Yes. Recently... Uh, did pretty good scoring. Yeah, number number, th- number three ag tech podcast in the world, according to Feedspot. We were elated to get the news. Wow. So, that's number incredible. one, Salinas, California. Number two, Sydney, Australia. Number three, Agronovus, Indiana. Indiana. So Agronovus good. Agronovus, Indiana. So good. Congratulations. Well, you kind of touched upon a little bit of a, a, a the, to your point earlier, part of the reason you're attracted to this opportunity is a unique intersection between the public sector and private sector, but big coast and small coast. Totally, you're yeah. doing work on both ends. Um, how do you see, how are you seeing the big act players kind of leaning in our, into in our community in terms of corporate innovation and, and as well as startup engagement side? It's incredible. I mean, it is incredible. Back to business growth and startup acceleration, you know, the way that we're able to do what we can do is because of those big companies. You know, the big companies, the mid-sized companies, privately held, publicly held, all have a deep desire to support this economy. And look, I, I'm a big believer in this intersection of good and well. Like, you know, people come together to do good. They want to do good. They want to see growth. But they also need the ability to grow their own business and to do well. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so fun about this this work that we're leading is, you know, by working with big co's and small co's and family held and publicly held. You know, they have a desire to meet and connect with startups. They have a desire to meet and connect with venture. They have a desire to meet and connect with government and academia, whether it be for talent, whether it be for education. That intersectionality between all of those things is fantastic. And we are really fortunate in Indiana. You look at, you know, Beck's, for example, the largest, the nation's largest retail, privately held retail seed brand. Corteva, arguably the largest integrated ag company, maybe in the world, the third largest publicly held company in Indiana by market cap. So number one is Lilly. Number two is Elevance. You know, used to be Anthem. Number three is Corteva. Right? Incredible work. If you're driving through the countryside listening to this and you see a Pioneer sign along the side of the road, that's Corteva. Pioneer yeah. is Corteva. Yeah. And then you look at you know just the the other folks that are in this space, whether it be from Cliff Bar, like we talked about, Red Gold, Red Gold. on the food mm-hmm. side. There's mm-hmm. so many. They give us an opportunity to to really meet any innovator wherever they are and make the connections they need to grow their business. Yeah, that's that's great. That's really this network effect is really incredible. If we, particularly if you figure figure out ways like what you're doing to operationalize that connectivity, create win win situations for all the stakeholders around. Uh, you, you touched upon a little bit about the corporate innovation stuff you're doing, including hunger tech, producer led innovation challenges. You know, coming from my world where number of years in venture investing, innovation, corporate innovation challenges can sometimes be a little mystery in the sense that it's a lot of fanfare, <laughs> right? When you, whenever you run pitch competitions or reverse pitch competitions, 
it's a it's a it's a lot of production work, and then you announce the winner and give out the prize. And what happened afterwards? And have you how do you find more sustainable ways to create truly meaningful success out of corporate innovation challenges? You know, I think um, I think the team that launches those programs is directly correlated to the outcomes that those challenges can can generate. So, you know, we had this idea. I remember sitting with. Uh, Courtney Kingery, who's the CEO of Indiana Corn Marketing Council, Indiana Soybean Alliance. And I was like, look, we have a lot of smart tech people in Indiana. We have a lot of smart producers that you know are part of her organization. Why don't we run a challenge and see if we can solve something? This was like week three on the job, right? Yeah. During the pandemic. Yeah, the during, of right, pandemic. that's right. She's like, I don't know, let's let's try it. Yeah. And so we did it. And Ting, what's amazing, right? This is this is amazing. This is a true testament to the people who are part of Agronovus, the people who are part of Indiana Corn Marketing Council, Indiana Soybean Alliance, Indiana Farm Bureau, all of these folks coming together, the innovation that was created during, during that first innovation challenge is now powering the operations of dairy farms in Indiana. And the whole notion was, is how do we use data to optimize feed pushes to dairy cows? So how do we, how do we optimize when to push, how much to push the food into you know, where the cows can get to it? Without or improve, without impacting negatively or improving milk output. Mm. So it was, it was a data science project, right? This company called Iota Solutions worked with a group of uh, dairy farmers called Benton Group uh, in that'd be West Central Indiana. That tech is still running today. It's amazing, right? And then we look at Hunger Tech, where you know through some research, through some research with Ernst and Young and Purdue, there was this. Passing mention, this is just incredible, passing mention that said in the future, food security will be driven more by connectivity than proximity, meaning that in the future, digital connectivity between supply and demand will be more important than your proximity to a retail grocer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I looked at that, look, I'm not a food expert by any stretch, but I look at it and go, that's not a food problem. That's not an ag bioscience problem. It's a technology. It's a technology problem, problem, right? Like That's a tech opportunity. It's particularly when you look at this market that it is in, you know, if you just narrow food, if you narrow the hunger world to SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition and Assistance Program, many have historically called them food stamps, but that, that's the program. That in and of itself is $120 billion a year market. So $120 billion. Now, not all of that will go online, right? There's a portion of it that will. But imagine any tech company who said, hey, I have access to a $120 billion annual market that's continuing to grow. How do you get a piece? Right, like how do you go do that? <laughs> and the best part of this is, this isn't just about, like how do we do it in a way that it you know, connects supply and demand? How do we do it in a way that really enables those who are hungry to access food in need? And how do we do it in a way where there's a tech company that can be created mm-hmm. that ultimately is profitable, that generates revenue? And how do we do that in a way that ultimately increases competition to decrease the cost, right? So, so everybody wins. Mm-hmm. And my belief is if you can create that pipe, right? If you can create the conduit between supply and demand, do it meaningfully in a digital way, deliver those those foodstuffs wherever they are to wherever the, the demand is, now you've built a platform to be able to interact with that recipient in a way that truly serves their unique needs. Whether that's through education, whether it's through uh Nutrition, whether that's, you know, pick your favorite thing. Once you've built the hierarchy of needs, right? Once you've built the connection on food and once you've met those needs, now that person has the ability and we have the ability to create solutions to serve them 
That's what Hunger Tech's all about. Those kinds of things, right? Whether it's producer-led, whether it's the Hunger Tech Innovation Challenge, bringing partners together that really know, that really understand, you know, Elevance Health coming in on Hunger Tech, Community Health Network coming in on Hunger Tech, Parkview Health up in Northwest, uh, or rather Northeast Indiana coming together to do that. Those are the kinds of things where it's, you know, we have such an opportunity to, to really use, to really work with this network Let's go solve big problems. And let's do it in a way that isn't just episodic. Let's do it in a way that's durable. Let's do it in a way where business can be created, where we can do something here that has a lasting impact on not just, you know, the net income or growth of a business, but on population as a whole. Oh, my gosh. What an amazing opportunity. Yeah. And speaking about the lasting impact, kind of the hunger tech, the winner opportunity, the insights you and your team generated from that particular exercise, even though the exercise, that, that particular project went on for about three months. Yeah, it's still months. going. It's still, still ongoing. Going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the solution is still piloted and trying to carve out or take advantage of the market opportunities exist today. But even on the policy, potentially policy influencing side or education of yeah. our policy stakeholders, I think you went on, even took that insight into further than just Indiana, didn't you? That's right. That's exactly right. So, you know, as we work through really market discovery, like you would do with mm-hmm. any other product, right? Understand what, what landscape exists. We were really fortunate to be connected with, you know, leaders across the country, leaders in policy, leaders in, in industry, and even leaders here within Indiana's congressional delegation. So Senator Braun, I have the great fortune of serving on his Ag Advisory Committee. Senator Braun also served on the committee or the commission for the White House Conference on Food, Nutrition, and Health uh, with Ambassador Rice and uh, Senator Booker and Congressman McGovern. All those folks really working on how do we solve hunger, not no politics, but how do we bring people together to do something meaningful and, you know, our commitment is, hey, we're going to do research. We're going to run these pilots. We're not going to take a position on policy. It's not our role. We're just going to give you data. We're going to give you information from this group. And that becomes really important as you look to the future. So every every three years, I think this is right, every three years, um, no, every five years, I'm sorry, every five years, the um, farm bill is is comes up and a big portion, 75% of the farm bill is really on these nutrition programs. And so it's really important as we think about innovation, as we think about bringing innovation to these really important programs that serve, it's up to us to create these conditions, create these experiences where innovation can happen. And then we can, we can give them to those who are, are you know, looking at how do we optimize the system. You know, we had Stacey Dean on our Ag Bioscience podcast. She's the deputy undersecretary at USDA who oversees all these nutrition programs. So whether that's SNAP, the food stamps project that I mentioned, WIC, Women, Infant, and Children, whether it's school lunches, I mean, she is the person. I mean, just to be able to have that conversation, right? To be able to talk about innovation with someone like that and to be able to inspire. on the ground data side. That's right. Like not just, you know, big ideas and thought, but like, hey, here's here's what we're really finding. Mm -hmm. Oh, ting. Incredible. Yeah, no. That actually reminded me the you know, particularly on the, a lot of these public policy side, you know, oftentimes, I don't know how long Farm Bill has been existing, but assuming it's been for decades and decades, when those policies originally created, the program originally created, technology wasn't there to solve the particular needs. The hunger tech was a perfect example, right? The technology exactly has right. evolved to the place today. It can't be solved right economically. 
That's right. That's the thing you, you, you're through the hunger tech challenge or trying to prove out from a so market true. adoption standpoint. So true. And you look at you look at this opportunity, right? And I, I we share this often as a team. We mm-hmm. talk about this. You know, we have we have the luxury of stepping back and saying, boy, that feels like we could do something there, or that feels like they could do we could do something there. If you're in the day-to-day fight, you know, if you're running these nutrition programs, if you're, you know, the one who you know sees the single mom, sees the single dad who needs help feeding their kids. You don't have the luxury to step back and say, boy, you know, we should we should think about tech innovation here. It doesn't mean they're not doing it, but it's a very different demand of mm-hmm. someone and a very different calling than for us to be able to come alongside, to partner with, in this case, Indiana Family Social Services Administration, who administers SNAP here in the state, and say, how can we help? Right? How you do what you do, and we're, we want to learn from you. We want to help you. This is about how do we how do we empower people to serve better, and how do we do that in a way that is ultimately durable? And that's that's just a, it's a really good place to be. Yeah, yeah, that's terrific. And 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 you talked a lot about innovation. Again, putting my partner partner venture investing hat on. Sure. You know, innovation obviously needs to be supported through not just public policy or even programs like what you you team are doing, but more importantly from a from just the fundamental business side, the talent, the customer development, and oftentimes capital, particularly right. when you're sn- small and growing. And how do you see a development of these dimensions in the ag community, both on the corporate side yeah. and the public sector side and, and the startup support side? You know, I, I look at the work that you and the team at Elevate really pioneered uh, of being that early stage capital catalyst you know, we see massive uh, opportunity there. You know, as we talk with companies, you know, as we we make the connections between small co and big co, one of the things we often talk about is capital because mm-hmm. you have to, right? It's part of the yep. story. Follow the money. That's right. <laughs> but, but to have a to have a partner like Elevate uh, to be able to bring them to Elevate now under uh, Chris Day, Tof Day's leadership, just really some really interesting work there. So I think that's a big piece. But also now what we're seeing is this, you know, a syndicate really being built. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily deal by deal, but in this area, you know, we have, you know, a great leader in Cleveland Avenue. Cleveland Avenue, a Chicago-based venture fund focused entirely on food and ag, led by the former CEO of McDonald's, right? And there is a Randall Lewis is the guy here in Indiana. He is based here and you know, is eager to find deals, find opportunities, and, and really work with these young companies. We have great venture investors here in Allos and High Alpha, all the folks that are, you know, known to the SaaS ecosystem, the tech ecosystem. But what we're doing is we're seeing, you know, those pieces be really strong. You know, the the folks at Allos just made a, uh, an investment in Traction Ag that we talked about earlier. But these other investors, these out-of-state investors now seeing Indiana as a place where innovation can happen, I think that's a really important piece. And then Maybe the last one is we think about the policy and the, the government connection. Under Brad Chambers' leadership at the Indian Economic Development Corporation, I mean, Secretary Chambers, just a brilliant guy by, by definition, but his team's focus on growth, his team's focus on what he calls his 5E strategy, really all netted out how to build the economy of the future. Mm-hmm. And he sees clearly the work at TechPoint, clearly the work at Agronovus being a big piece of that because these are the economies. These are the kinds of jobs. These are the kinds of things that you know we can do uniquely here in Indiana. And, and I would argue we can do better than anybody else on the planet. And that's those kinds of connections, right? Whether it's capital, whether it's connections into IEDC and others, we're well positioned to be able to do it. And I think the work that we're able to do between TechPoint and Agronovus and many others 
It's just unique. If, you know, if you're a company from, I think about a young company, Nanobio Design. It was an Iowa-based company who had connections into a board member of ours at Agronovus, sort of friend of a friend kind of thing. And when he came here, you know, when he, he visited, Ryan, the CEO or COO, came here, you know, he had a whole day packed of different connections to big co's and small co's and capital. Where else are you going to do that? Right. right? And, and it's not because that's not a backpack for Agronovus or for me. It's what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that the ability that we have to do that and think thanks to those who have been a supporter of CICP, Central Limited Corporate Partnership, of TechPoint, of Agronovus, those who serve on our boards, those who sponsor events. You know, those things are always great, but what they make possible, the, when, when you put dollars into these things, the output are things like that, right? Where we can create a really unique experience for Ryan, and ultimately Ryan has now moved his company to Indiana, and he's building the innovation that will happen here. Those are the kinds of things that are possible. Yeah, you are spot on. Uh, I referenced a couple of different times, follow the money, but yeah. money is also not in terms, just in terms, not just in terms of check, but more importantly, all the, everybody's time, energy, support, we often say, even in my elevate back and in my elevate days, we never really want to attract a company just because we can write a, totally. them a check. We want them to move here because it makes sense from a holistic business perspective. So that unique experience you had just mentioned, whether it's home homegrown companies, you're supporting the homegrown companies as well as attracting out-of-state company potentially looking at Indiana, it's that talent connection piece yes. and customer connection piece, strategic partner connection piece the public sector support piece, and last but not least, the capital That's piece. Right. It's a total package that, that makes a difference and ultimately will lead them to say, yes, I can see Indiana being the long-term cool. home for my company. Absolutely. That's and it's terrific. not perfect, right? No. I mean, I think that's the piece where I think we, we are... But the, but the fact we have organizations actively yes. putting that package that's together, right. that's a differentiator. It's a differentiator, and all of us know that we have to continue to do better, mm-hmm. right? We have to find new approaches to capital. We have to find new approaches to connectivity. We have to do things. We have to work together to go tackle these opportunities. And that unhealthy, you know, that healthy uh, sort of desire to always do better is one that I think is just a, a fun sort of unification effort that is happening across, whether it's your board members, my board members, our internal organizations, you know, we constantly want to push ourselves, okay, great, how do we do more? How do we do better? How do we make these connections? How do we hit our $4 billion target? Those kinds of things, that's unique. Right. And it's not just lip service. No, it's real. Right. (laughs) These people are professional, successful professionals busy professionals investing in their time yeah. to do this with you for That's no right. yeah. no financial gain on their own. They're no. purely doing it for the community return. Yeah, which is awesome. Which is awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming today. Oh my gosh, thank uh, you. Anything exciting for 2023? Lots of things. Lots of things exciting for 2023, Ting. You know, I look at our, our pipeline as we talk about this $4 billion target yeah. uh, by 2024. Pipeline's healthy as it's ever been. Knock on wood, we're going to see some big, big moves here in the future. And that's exciting to me. The work that's happening across those three areas, innovation, whether it's sustainability, automation, or pure tech, I think we're going to see a lot of innovation there. And then lastly, just this. Right? I mean, what I'm so excited about 2023 is how do we link arms more? How do we find, you know, how do we find the next innovator that is maybe listening today who you know, they're in a company, they, they love what they're doing, but they have a desire to go work in sustainability. They have a desire to go do something in food. 
Okay. Well, that's not a loss for one and a gain for the other. That's a net gain for the entire right. entire economy. Right. Hopefully, they say, "I need help," and who can right. I? Who can I? And it can be who us. can I help you? We could be one of those people. That's right. Yeah. So I am. I am looking forward to 2023. And Ting, I can't. Sit, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna end here without saying thank you. Your move from elevate to say, "Hey, look, I'm gonna hang up my chief investment officer hat to come lead TechPoint." I know certainly for me and for many others all across this economy, just a giant thank you. Your leadership, your passion, your focus, your experience, it is a it is a massive benefit to not just to TechPoint, not just to CICP, but to Indiana. So thanks for doing what you're doing. Well, thank you. It's a it's a team sport. As you mentioned, I'm so thrilled to be part of the team. No, great you are. I'm grateful you are. <laughs> thank you.